Chapter Fourteen of *The Wishing Horse of Oz* by Ruth Plumley Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Beth Thomas. Chapter Fourteen: The Emperor of Oz. The same morning, Dorothy wakened in the rustic summer house of the Winky Farmer. Scamperoo opened his eyes upon the unaccustomed grandeur of Ozma's royal palace. The banquet had lasted till long after three o'clock. Then, still chuckling and yawning, he had waved good-night to his hilarious and amiable subjects and led Chalk off to bed. Twenty footmen with twenty lighted tapers preceded him to Ozma's own apartment. But dismissing this as too plain and simple, he had taken the immense green guest suite across the hall. Chalk would have much preferred a stall in the royal stable with the other four-footed members of the castle party, but Scamperoo would not hear of such a separation. He wanted his white wishing horse close at hand, not only because through him and the magic emeralds he could satisfy every wish, but because for the first time in his long, lazy, selfish life he had found someone he liked better than himself. In Scamperoo's eyes, Chalk was absolutely perfect, and as his own wish had brought the golden mane charger into being, he felt as proud and important as a parent with his first child. After a few regretful sniffs out of the window, a few short turns up and down their immense and elegant sleeping apartment, Chalk leaped lightly on one of the large green beds and settled himself gracefully for the night. Covering Chalk tenderly with a green satin quilt, Scamperoo hastily disrobed and, clutching his precious necklaces, climbed wearily into the other bed. There, without even stopping to wish himself good night, he fell into a deep and tranquil slumber. Indeed, both, in spite of the strangeness of their surroundings, slept soundly till morning. About eight o'clock, Chalk, lifting his head from the embroidered pillow, looked indulgently across at the new Emperor of Oz. Sitting up in bed, Scamperoo was busily counting the gems in his three magic chains. Oh, throw those silly beads away, advised the white horse, jumping out of bed with a gay toss of his golden mane. You have nothing else to wish for, Kingaling, nothing more at all. <laughs> this green carpet looks good enough to eat, but I have a fancy to nibble the clover in your majesty's garden while it is still fresh with dew. Say it again, begged Scamperoo, closing his eyes and clasping himself blissfully round the middle. Your Majesty's garden, your Majesty's palace, your Majesty's kingdom of Oz, whinnied the white horse, rising on his hind legs and pirouetting round with mischievous little prances. But come, imp, what are your wishes for today? I think we will have to use the necklaces after all. You must certainly have some new clothes. It would never do to appear this morning in the suit you wore last night. You had better have some sleeping garments too. I have a notion that emperors do not sleep in their raw hides like horses. <laughs> Scamperoo, giggling self-consciously, dragged the satin sheets up to his chin, for to tell the truth, he had arrived in the Emerald City with only one suit to his back, and an extremely shabby one at that. "'Maybe I'd better change my face, too,' he murmured, "'to go with all this, you know.' Dreamily, Scamperoo waved his hands about, and then, leaning forward, slipped the chains over Chalk's ear. "'What's the matter with the face you have?' demanded Chalk, gazing fondly at the red, rotund countenance of his master. I like you just as you are, and if you change, I wouldn't even know you. 
but I'll tell you what you can wish after you've ordered yourself some new clothes. Wish yourself a seasoned rider, and then we can go far and wide, Kingaling, far and wide at a furious gallop, and none shall say us nay, hey, hey. And none shall say us nay, trilled Scamperoo, rolling out of bed, covers and all. To wish himself fifty jewel-encrusted robes with boots, crowns, and all the undergarments to go with them, fifty splendid sleeping robes, and fifty suits of riding clothes, took but a moment. He and Chalk could hear them landing with little thuds on the hangers in the many closets as Scamperoo finished speaking. Then, being naturally lazy, the new emperor wished that he had already had his bath and was dressed in his green riding clothes. So immediately he was and winking at his clever assistant adviser, he next wished himself the best rider in Oz. Then taking back his necklaces, he buttoned them carefully in a little pocket over his heart, and went over to the mirror to have a look at himself. How about this governing stuff? puffed the self-made emperor, turning this way and that to get a good view of his new clothes. Oh, I shouldn't bother about governing, answered Chalk carelessly. A well-governed country like this should be able to run itself for a few weeks. By that time, we'll be ready for more serious matters. But right now, I'm all for enjoying myself. A splendid idea, that, of putting all the rulers and the wizard and his magic out of the way. The rest of your court and subjects are exceedingly sensible and jolly. And if we are pleasant and sensible too, everything will be what-ho and so cosy. So let's go below and start our first day of emperoring. Impatiently, Chalk pranced away toward the door. You're sure I look all right? asked Scamperoo, with another anxious squint at his reflection. Seems to me I'm a bit too fat. Oh, don't worry about that said Chalk, rolling his eyes wickedly. Come along, come along, and I'll soon shake some of that fat off you. Off with you, Kingaling, and let's do our oats. To his delight and pleasure, Scamperoo had not the slightest trouble mounting, and once in the saddle he felt perfectly at home, even when Chalk bounded through the door, took the long circular steps between a canter and a gallop, and ran madly three times round the royal gardens. On fine days, Ozma always had breakfast in her private garden, and it being an especially fine day, the palace servants without thought or question had placed the royal table under the trees. It was still fairly early, and none of the guests or members of the household were down, but this did not spoil Scamperoo's excellent appetite at all. Ordering chalk a breakfast of oats, bran and quartered apples, he seated himself gaily at the head of the table. The green riding hat, set well over one ear, became him vastly well, and Chalk, regarding him proudly from the foot of the table, thought him every inch an emperor, even if, round the waist, there were a good many too many inches. "'I wish Pinny Penny could see you now,' sighed the horse, sinking contentedly back on his haunches. "'And how I should have enjoyed seeing Matia's face when he finally discovered you and the necklaces were gone.' By the way, perhaps we should do something about Matia. Penny Penny will attend to him, said Scamperoo, popping a huge cherry into his mouth and nodding his head reassuringly. I'll wager Penny Penny sent the fellow packing the moment he found himself king. Wonder how Penny Penny is making out anyway. But suppose Matia should follow us here, went on Chalk. 
having been in existence only two days, he knew little of Oz or Geosophy. He can't come here, Scamperoo told him triumphantly. There's a deadly desert between Scampavia and Oz that no one in my father's lifetime or in mine has ever crossed, that is, with the exception of ourselves, and we were wished across, which doesn't count. Then, as four footmen with heaping trays appeared, he winked at Chalk, and the white horse lapsed into a thoughtful silence. And Scamperoo had been perfectly correct in his conjectures about Pinny Penny. When, with a resounding clunk, the king's gold crown had fallen upon the astonished prime minister, his head had gone entirely through, so he was forced to wear it much as a dog wears a collar. But even so, he was not slow to realise the significance of this odd happening, or the power it brought with it. Gripping the sceptre which had forced itself into his hand, he rushed into the throne room to find out what strange whim of his master had made him acting king of the realm. A glance around the throne room was enough to show him that Scamperoo was not there, and when he saw Martia sitting so unconcernedly in the book alcove, a sudden rage and conviction seized him. Whatever had happened, Martia was to blame. "'Leave this palace at once!' shouted Pinny Penny, stamping first one foot and then the other. "'At once, do you hear, or I'll call out the guard!' Martia, still deep in the history of Oz, looked up in astonishment, and when he saw the little Prime Minister wearing Scamperoo's crown round his neck and brandishing his sceptre, he gave a perfect bellow of anger and dismay. "'Where is the king?' he roared, looking wildly around the throne room. "'And why are you wearing his crown?' "'Where's Scamperoo? Where are the necklaces?' "'Ask yourself,' raged Pinny Penny, shaking the sceptre threateningly. "'Everything was quiet and peaceful till you and your necklaces arrived at this palace. "'There's some magic trickery about them and about you. "'Don't think I was fooled by that horse story. "'A horse does not appear out of the air. "'Well, now the king's gone.' The horse is gone, and unless you are gone in ten seconds, I'll have you thrown out the window. Ten seconds, do you hear? This crown and sceptre came to me through no wish or choice of my own, but since they did come to me, I am the king, and I intend to rule this country. My first official act will be to rid myself of your filthy presence. Now then, start walking, merchant, and don't stop till you reach the border. Twenty guards will follow to see you safely out of the country. "'You wait till Scamperoo hears about this,' blustered Mattia, backing away in alarm from the determined little Prime Minister. "'I'm more important to him than anyone else.' "'Then why aren't you with him?' inquired Pinny Penny shrewdly. "'No, wherever he's gone, he has gone without you. I am the king, and I do not need you, so be off.' Clapping his hands, Pinny gave a sharp command to the guards, who came hurrying in answer to his summons. Retiring rapidly to escape the tips of their sharp spikes, Martia sullenly began his long march. It was nightfall by the time the little company reached the edge of Scampavia. Here, in a wilderness of rock and rubble, the guardsmen left him, with food enough for a couple of days, and stern warnings never to return to Scampavia. Far to the west, the miserable merchant could see the comforting lights of Maryland, but he had no desire to go there, or east to the kingdom of Ix. Instead, he stared hopelessly across the wilderness to where the heaving sands of the deadly desert gleamed like molten silver in the moonlight. How had that rascally monarch ever escaped without his seeing him? 
How could he ever safely cross the deadly desert and hope to reach Oz? How had Scamperoo, who seemed so dumb and foolish, ever discovered the secret of using the magic emeralds when he himself had failed to do so? How? 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 Crouched on a flat rock, munching one of the sandwiches left by the guards, Martia scowled evilly across the grim desert, his thoughts as treacherous and shifting as its deadly sands. End of chapter 14